choir is officially over, if my neighborhood is any indication. Uh, I just went for a walk and it's like sun's out, everyone's out, very few masks, uh, new, new pedestrian walkways and areas so, so that restaurants can have people dining outside. Um, I even went into a clothing store. I don't even think they're officially allowed to be open yet, but I didn't seem to care. Uh, and, uh, the timing, you know, I, I, I wonder if, you know, de Blasio was like, there's only one thing that's gonna stop these millennials from protesting, and that's brunch. We gotta get brunch back. Instead of reforming the police, we're gonna have mandatory bottomless mimosas every restaurant so you're too fucked up by three o'clock to care that you're being beaten by the police um just everything is moved everything is since march has just moved so quickly it's so surreal and it's almost seamless it's like people are just like yep life comes at you fast you just gotta roll with it you know Government tells you to stay locked in your apartment, you just gotta do it. Government tells you it's okay to go protest in, in mass crowds, you gotta do it. Government tells you it's time to brunch, you gotta do it. Um, so, I, I miss the empty streets, I miss the just wasteland apocalypse vibe. Everyone's scared. Everyone, everyone's scrubbing their groceries for, for no reason, as uh, the CDC or the WHO or whoever has now revealed. It's not, it's not easy to transmit via surfaces, which I knew all along through my own empirical experiments with ordering delivery this entire time. Um, because you gotta have some form of excitement. I can't get my, my hit of stand-up every night. I can't see anybody. I'll, I'm running out of weed. The alcohol is turning on me. It's not even fun. So I, I had to, I had food is it's the only, it was the only form of excitement left. So I had to risk it. And uh, the risk paid off, turns out. But uh, The Who put out another, a large news announcement that asymptomatic spreading is actually quite rare and everyone celebrated that and the next day they're like oops uh, gonna go ahead and retract that but how many times do people how many people saw the headline and then didn't see the retraction it's just an accident that I saw it on Twitter which is ruining my life by the way if you follow me on Twitter you see I'm just totally losing it all I'm tweeting is sincere shit and that's not what Twitter is for for me but I get, I just see so much insanity. I'm like, maybe my, maybe my voice can do something to lessen the insanity. Maybe my tweet about how maybe it's not a good idea to censor articles you don't like will go viral and change the world. But no, it's just all of you, all of my fans liking it and retweeting it and going nowhere. 
so I have to stop. I have to stop tweeting sincerely. Although I got a text message from from Joe List, good old Joe List, saying keep up those tweets. I'm like wow, they're not funny. But I guess you know, someone's got to speak for the for the comedians' rights and the rights of people who have their sanity still intact. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I've been just consumed with Dark on Netflix. It's, um, it's, I, I might even put it up there with The Sopranos. I know that's crazy, crazy thing to say. And it's only two seasons, so, you know, the third season's coming out soon, which is why I'm re giving it a rewatch. And, uh, they could fuck it up, maybe they'll fuck it up. Um, but I doubt it because the writing has been so incredibly tight and it lost me. Like it's one of the, the, the like few things I've watched where I was like, I actually don't know what's going on anymore. If you've watched it, you know what I'm talking about. And then I just watched a video on YouTube where some extremely autistic guy broke down the, the whole time travel plot chronologically because the show, it's like there's... There's like three different times, time periods that it that it jumps between, and it's not at all chronological. And sometimes things are happening simultaneously in all three time periods, and it's very easy to lose track of. And like the characters are like different ages in each period, so you have to remember like which actor is playing the older version. And like they did a great casting job because actually the the younger and older characters look a lot like each other. It's really impressive. For most of the characters but still it's such an insane plot it's so easy to get tied up in and then i watched the uh this video on youtube that breaks it down chron chronologically and it's like how did these writers write this out like it seems insane and you're like there must be holes in the, in the time travel logic and in the plot but then once you see it chronologically it's like oh yeah everything adds up everything happened perfectly it's so impressive. It's these two. It's a husband and wife, I think, German couple. It's a German show who wrote it, and uh, that's my, that's always been my dream to to create something really beautiful with with my partner, and uh, maybe it'll happen. But um, it's so inspiring this show, and if you haven't seen it, and uh, time travel turns you off, which I'm not really into time travel either. It's it's just that's not even the draw of it for me. It's the 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 emotions and the, and the performances and the writing. It's just and the overall aesthetic, the music, the cinematography. It's really just such a everything came together perfectly. Just one of those rare pieces of art where everything came together. Everyone was a pro and knew exactly what they were doing. Everyone was in a flow state in the creation of this show. And it's about characters who are on this epic journey that they've been thrown into and their goal is simply to get things back to normal. Like they have such a modest goal and have to go through such emotional wild ordeals and all they want is for just to rearrange the timeline. They just want to go back to the timeline that, that made sense to them. And, uh, you know, essentially they discover a time, uh, like, a wormhole. 
and you know instead of the traditional sort of way that we would react to discovering a wormhole today like oh my god what an amazing discovery and this will make our lives so much better and more enlightened and you know the way we react to any new technology it just on the surface seems like good nobody really questions i talked about this in another episode how technology seems to exceed our grasp of of morality or ethics or we we just take new technology for granted without questioning if this will actually improve society or not which gets us into a lot of trouble and so what i like again about this show is that this this wormhole actually only serves to ruin these people's lives it's it's such a force of havoc and it, it ruins their relationships it ruins families and uh everyone is just yearning for things to go back to the way they were which was just a simple town a simple life in a simple town where everyone knew each other and um and this wormhole has been plaguing this town for for uh, generations and you just see it on everyone's face god these actors are so incredible I have a German friend and uh, he said like acting in Germany, it's not like what it is in America where like they're these glorified celebrities, like they have a term for them. They're not actors, they're like German actors, which I guess is like, you know, um, to separate the, the glory of like the way Americans view actors. Maybe that's what I took from what he said, I'm not sure. But every performance is just amazing. Um, yeah, and I, I guess it taps into my general, like, fetish for yearning, just that, like, longing for someone or something, and it's out of your reach, and you have to fight for it. That's, uh, that's always been something that, that, that gets me. And, um, yeah, I just, it's, uh, maybe I've talked too much about this now, but it's, I don't know, give it a try. I've recommended it to several friends and they're like, I don't really, I don't really care about this, which I, maybe you have to watch a lot or just have a certain a magnetic attraction to it like I have. I don't know, it just, it just feels like it was made for me. Just one of those shows that feels like, yeah, you got me. Um, so it's been inspiring me to try to write. I have, I'm supposed to be writing, well, I already wrote a script and uh, for this like Sundance, writing program that my uh, agent submitted me to and then I, I got into and um, the whole point is just to help you like craft a script and uh, the script that I went with was one that I wrote you know some years ago ma mainly as a tool to be submitted for like writing staffs for shows <clears throat> um, but it's uh, there are things in it that I really like but the overall story I'm not really crazy about and the, one of the women who runs the program kind of sensed that, like, I've seen your stand-up, and, like, I feel like the script is not what you're really passionate about. I'm like, yeah, totally. This was totally just a, a moneymaker, trying to, an attempt at being a moneymaker. So now I'm supposed to be writing, like, my dream show, which I don't really know what that would be, but I just know that dark, just, I would be... It'd be incredible to write something as, as, as good as that. And it's rare that I watch something that makes me feel like inspired to create something great. 
but um, I do have an another script that I'm submitting instead to, that's supposed to capture closer to what my dream show would be, but even that, it's not really, it's not dark. I just want to write my dark, but I don't know. Uh, I tend to write things that are set sort of autobiographically just because that's what I know best and uh, something something like Dark or like The Sopranos or like Breaking Bad requires a lot of research into a subject like meth or you know the Jersey Mafia or time travel I mean it's not you don't really they do mention stuff like you know like Einstein and some physics and stuff but I don't I don't know how much exactly they had to research about that but um yeah whenever it's like there's a lot of research required or just like that I get a little I get so lazy like I would need a team of people to do this research for me that's why I like stand up so much it's like all you need is what you know I think Chappelle has a quote like that it's just like whatever you know is perfect um of course, people who have wider experiences and knowledge probably tend to make for better stand-ups, but that's what I like about it. It's like, I don't need other people, I don't need equipment, I don't need research, I just need my voice and a microphone, which ideally is turned up to max volume. Um, as an aside, I just did Todd Berry's podcast, and he also has a similar dead vibe on stage, and we were talking about how, like, a lot of places will be like, can you talk louder? We, we can't hear you. We couldn't hear you. As though we don't have the fucking technology to turn the microphone up. Like, I have to change my act and my delivery because you don't want to turn the mic up a few notches and then hold it against me and then maybe not book me because I talk low? Insanity. This has happened before. It's crazy. Um, but... Yeah, so I do like have show ideas that are more involved and not just autobiographical, but then I'm like, ugh, I'm gonna have to research like archaeology and like, oh my god, it's, it's overwhelming. So, um, um, I don't know what the, I don't know what I was trying to get at here. Um,. Oh yeah, so because I mentioned stuff like Dark and, and you know, Final Fantasy and some, some content that I that I like, some people asked if I could just talk about other other stuff, other content that I like. Um, right now I'm reading Modern Man in Search of a Soul by Carl Jung, Jung, I don't know, um, German psychologist. Um, I can't comment much about it because I literally just started reading it and so far the first essay is him talking about dream interpretation and like the the, the doctor's role and, and responsibility in interpreting dreams and like you have to be careful with your with your patient because you want them to arrive at conclusions of their own accord like it's not enough to just suggest meaning and interpretations to to a patient because they're less likely to believe or, or become enlightened if they're just being told this by a doctor. Like It's more worthwhile if you can get them to come to conclusions in their own way, um, which makes sense. Um, I always kind of 
scoffed at, at dream interpretation, but I guess that's that's silly because you know, assuming one believes there is an unconscious mind, then dreams are that unconscious mind in action. So there's there's something there. There's probably a lot there to be learned. I've been having weird dreams this morning. I just dreamed that I was like in a video game, but it wasn't a video game. It was just life, but I kept resetting the level somehow. Like I was in a level of life and I had to keep resetting it because I kept fucking up, but I can't really remember what was getting fucked up. And my mom was in it and there were these like three really weird bugs, really gross bugs we're trying to catch. And um, and then my like childhood friend showed up and she had a baby, but like the baby's head was an adult head and it was like, it was like an Obama type figure, like just a really eloquent man and was like, like I went to like say hi to it and it was like, hello madam, just big, big old head on a baby body. And um, that's all I remember, but I don't know. And then uh, before that, um, I was reading Amusing Ourselves to Death, which I need to reread because as I was reading it, I was like folding pages that I felt had important information and I ended up folding literally every page. It's such a great read if you're interested in why society is intellectually collapsing, why discourse has become so difficult. It was written, I think, in 1985, so unfortunately there aren't insights about the internet, but you can extrapolate from the problems he's talking about with like television as a medium to, uh, to the internet, which I think the internet sort of made things better, but also in a lot of ways made things worse as a medium for information. Um, so that is highly recommended. Um, and then before that, I was reading Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, another extremely important read, I think. Um, Viktor Frankl, another psychiatrist, Austrian, who was sent to camps in the Holocaust. He's a, a Holocaust survivor. And this book is just incredible, an incredible account of his experience there and um, how he managed to, to sort of stay sane and cope with that. And like in the very beginning of the book, he talks about how, I mean, one of the first things that happened to him was his life's work, his psychiatry work was destroyed. The Nazis burned his work, his life's work. and. Oh my god, it was so gut-wrenching, just that alone, already. Like, even just in quarantine, I have these thoughts of like, what's going to happen to stand-up? Like, did I just waste the last 10 years of my life? Like, is this hour that I built over the last decade just, what if stand-up is no more? Is it, did I, like, what's going to happen to my work? And like, what if, you know, the industry never gives me a chance and I can't get it out in like a... In a, to, to a large audience the way I, I would like it to and if I just release it like on YouTube and then nobody ends up watching it like I just have these thoughts of like what's 
is all my work just going to go to waste? I don't, I mean, it's silly. These are silly thoughts, you know, I can get it out there even if it's just to a, just, you know, a small amount of people. I guess that's okay, but I guess in the beginning when it wasn't clear what was going to happen to stand up, like now that things are open, it's like, okay, maybe things will be, go back to normal eventually. In the beginning, I was like, oh my God, what's, what, what was that? Is this it for, for the last 10 years? I mean, this was, you know, when I, everyone was in a hysteria over, over the pandemic. Um, but so, like, that's what I was thinking. Now, now, to have your work, your life's work actually destroyed in front of you. Oh, my God. And then, you know, that's, of course, the least of, of what this man went through. And uh, I guess the, like, main, main thing to take away, or that, I mean, not the main thing, but the thing that he learned was that the last thing you can control when all of your freedom and your life has been taken from you is your attitude. Like, he had to just find ways to, to, to view things as positively as possible. Like, that was the last thing he could change. The quote, I guess, is, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Just totally incredible. Um, and really puts things into perspective um, for people, you know. I wish everyone fighting on Twitter over stupid shit could read this book. And um, also appreciate how valuable it is to be able to disseminate your work and, and speak your mind because I feel like I, younger generations, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if they're being taught like history of like, it's so easy to slip into into fascism and it's, it's like, it's scary to see the signs of it happening, to see people ask tech companies or like ask journalists and and, and uh, purveyors of journalism to, to censor and remove people's ideas and thoughts. It's so terrifying. And of course, you know, on, a, on, a, on another level, it happens to comedians. It happened to me in a, in, a, in a way. And like, people don't appreciate how quickly the powers that be will, will take that right will take that right that, that people are asking for, that power of like, yeah, okay, you want you want us to censor? Sure. And like 10 companies are already doing that in all kinds of ways, you know, like no matter how you feel about Alex Jones or like whoever, whoever's been deplatformed basically completely from YouTube and Facebook and stuff, it's like nobody who understands how the state will use that censorship power to, to stifle peaceful protest and like the ability of the, of the public to to protest the government or or anything quickly they will snatch up that power to censor people and deep platform people and and stifle intellectual debate um it's so horrible and horrifying to watch and that's why i can't help but tweet my stupid little sincere tweets that don't have a punchline because uh it could go it could, it could get out of hand like it already has and but it gives me hope when i see figures on twitter with like larger platforms than me who are calling this stuff out but it's not even enough to call out anymore like i was just reading an article by i forget the name of some philosopher talking about echo chambers 
and it's more than just what like how we use it colloquially like echo chamber sounds like you're just in like a bubble like online like the algorithm is only feeding you stuff that you already like or that it knows that or like just being surrounded by a social circle that already believes what you believe and you're all bouncing the same ideas toward each other and reinforcing each other's confidence in those beliefs but it's actually more than that it's it's when it's more like fox news when they teach you that any outside sources are trying to manip manipulate you it's like when they discredit all other outside sources of information outside of the bubble which then it becomes like a cult it's basically it becomes cult-like thinking where you can only believe the sources that that are in front of you and they tell you all other sources are actually trying to manipulate you and you're stupid and you're you're being had if you listen to any other outside sources that's cult-like behavior and that's the stuff that i'm seeing the most of online and uh so simply presenting other information is is not even enough to get people out of these habits of thinking and out of these echo chambers plus on top of that if if the figure who's who's tweeting or posting you know about the dangers of of the echo chamber is someone who's like you know seen as like a figure of the right or like on the other team it's like the quality of information now is being judged by who is saying it and that's crazy because then it's like you're judging truth relatively based on the source that it's coming from and like in a way we all do this we discriminate against you know source of sources of information that seem invalid like obviously i don't trust fox news but i also don't trust cnn it's like um but it's the same reason why like if trump happens to say something that's like accurate there's no way even if you secretly agree it's accurate to publicly say like yeah he's right about that it's like well f no still fuck him because he's the one saying it so then truth gets warped in this way and it becomes heavily dependent on who's saying it and that's really dangerous because then you can just um, assassinate someone's character if you don't like what they're saying, even if what they're saying is true. All you have to do is take down the person in order to invalidate the information. It's very easy to do and it happens all the time. That's what cancel culture is about. So, uh, and then this article was saying like the way, the only way to really get out of this and simply presenting information isn't enough to get somebody out of an echo chamber is to like somehow build trust with those people but it's like if this is all happening online there's no way to build trust with strangers on the internet um so it's it's uh i think everyone online the problem is well one of the problems is that everyone either everyone should have to use their real name and real photo or everyone should be anonymous because the problem when we when you have like people who are themselves or like you know blue check mark people who are who use their real name and then having that with a bunch of people who are anonymous it's like well the anonymous people just say whatever they want you have no idea if they're being honest if they're trolling who they are if they actually believe what they're saying and like also there's like a psychological detachment when you're able to just type things behind a screen and not be held accountable it's crazy the amount of like freedom and power it gives people to just say things without 
any kind of discretion or worry about what it is they're saying. So it's just not good for establishing trust between people and like a way to filter what information is valid and what how many people actually are share an opinion like you see a bunch of people tweeting something or like a hashtag go viral and everyone seems to share the same attitude but it's like how many of these people are are real or how many of them actually believe what they're saying or they're just being pressured into saying it or so like these false um, sort of democratic opinions arise, but it's like, is it really? I don't, I don't know if I'm making sense anymore. I'm just rambling. But um, I think if everyone had to post using their real identity, that could possibly improve things. But there's still that detachment of like, you can write something online and it's just not as big a deal as like, the, the importance tied to your words isn't the same as when you're talking to somebody in real life and I think that's a big problem I'm like well maybe if everyone has to like post a video of themselves talking instead of just writing a tweet maybe that would help but I don't know people already are always posting videos of, the, of themselves talking but I don't know Obviously, this is another more deep than quote-unquote funny episode. Um, I don't know, what's, what's something funny I could say? Everyone's mad at John Cleese, and it's not because he's probably a pedophile. That's kind of funny. Uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, he lurched into the statue debate for some reason. Let me read you the tweet. Um, he goes, I'm very confused about toppling statues. The Greeks whose civilization has, I'm going to stop doing the accent, I can't do it. The Greeks whose civilization has long been admired in the West believe that in the ancient world, cultured society was only possible if it was based on slavery. So should we be getting rid of statues of Socrates and Aristotle? Similarly, the Romans enslaved the British for 400, re 400 years, so are we due reparations from the Italians? And Sir Isaac Newton was a shareholder in the South Sea Company, which included slave trading among its activities. What do we do about his statues? It's rather complicated. And, uh, and then his other tweet is like, trying to say those tweets were like mocking somebody who would tweet something like that. So he goes, I would have hoped that someone at the BBC would understand that there are two ways of making fun of human behavior. One is to attack it directly. The other is to have someone who is patently a figure of fun speak up on behalf of that behavior. How about patently a figure of fucking tweens? How about that? Maybe. Allegedly. Possibly. I don't want to get sued. But his name is in Epstein's Black Book. No one really... There wasn't a furor over that. There are a lot of names. In the, in the book pages that were posted online that no one seemed to give a fuck about. I think Naomi Campbell is in it. Um, some other beloved figures are in there. Oh, Joan Rivers was in there. And like, yeah, Epstein was also just like involved in pure financial fraud. So like, you know, maybe these were just 
people who were doing shady financial shit, but I don't know if they would be in the black book, according to my research. I think that was supposed to be people who, who he had dirt on, which, you know, could just be financial dirt, I guess, but um, I don't know. I think someone brought it up to Cleese once, and he kind of just made a, like, laughed it off, just made a joke about it, but, um, I don't know, I just think it's funny that people are finally mad at him, but it's about statue tweets and not possibly having visited Pedophile Island. Um, but this is all allegedly, you know, his name is in the book, that can be found online, but for what reason is, uh, is up to the imagination. Um, the Netflix documentary on Epstein, I haven't watched it all, I think I only watched the first couple episodes, um, because from what I've understood from Twitter is that it, you know, leaves out some very significant details and paints some people to be a naive, naively blind to Ep Epstein's actions. Um, like... There's one of the victims is speaking about Pedophile Island and the type of people who would visit and openly says like, yeah, I, I saw Prince Andrew with like a topless young girl there. But then, uh, but then when it's like, yeah, Bill Clinton was also on the island, she goes, but not everyone who visited was involved in touching girls. Quite conveniently timed little, uh, bit of, bit of fact there. Not everyone was there for the for the underage girls. Some people just appreciate architecture. They enjoyed the design of the sacrificial temple, but there's no way they went inside. You could just feel a producer being like, could you just quickly say not everyone was a pedophile who went to Pedophile Island? Sure. Um... I'll leave you with a couple more content recommendations. I'll switch it over to, to tunes. Uh, I'm listening to the latest King Cruel album. I really enjoy King Cruel's voice. And uh, you'd never expect what he looks like just by listening to his voice. Which you could just smell the, the whiskey and cigarettes in his disgusting sewer of a mouth. You can just, you can just tell. It's, it's rotten. Totally rotten in there. And I love it just uh he really just has a lot of growl a lot of emotion in that voice and then uh it's very like vibey if i may say ambient stoned again is a track i keep listening to i think it's really cool and uh and then death grips good old death grips is a great soundtrack to the civil unrest it's really really gets you going it's fun um no Love, of course, classic song by them. Really, really pumps you up on a walk outside. Trying not to inhale death. Um, Alright, that's it. I'm sorry it wasn't funny. Bye!